everything to do with smoking is about the person. They have to want to do it. Because what we're asking them when they want to give up smoking is, was this your idea? If you don't ask that question and they don't acknowledge it as their own desire, then we won't achieve change. To give up smoking, you have to want to. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello again and welcome to this week's episode of Mentoring with Geraldine in the Bite Size Podcast. What we're going to talk today about in episode four is how to support your clients while they're going through the stopping smoking. Now, I'm also a hypnotherapist and a lot of people go to hypnotherapists to help support their stopping smoking, support their habit breaking. The thing with them coming to see me is I often don't use hypnosis. I find I don't need to, and you don't need to either. As a naturopath, nutritionist, or practitioner, whatever it is that you do, you don't need to be a hypnotherapist to support change. And that's what stopping smoking is. It's supporting change. So when we ask them those questions at the beginning, when you're asking your client all those questions, you'll be asking them the health questions, and generally they will have some health issues or they don't believe they have health issues. Either way, it doesn't matter because what we're asking them when we want them, when they want to give up smoking is, was this your idea? If you don't ask that question and they don't acknowledge it as their own desire, then we won't achieve change. If they want to give up smoking because their wife has told them to, or their grandchildren have called them smelly, that's not them wanting to give up smoking. That's other people wanting them to give up smoking. To give up smoking, you have to want to. Sometimes that is in the form of a trauma. So I worked for an elderly gentleman and his wife was given a diagnosis of um, lung cancer from smoking. He gave up the day of the diagnosis. This tells us that although it's an addiction, it's more of a habit because people can stop on the spot. It's not like other drugs where there's terrible outcomes, there can be real issues going cold turkey, weaning has to occur, you know, and that's all from narcotics all the way through to medications. With smoking, it is achievable. My own father, who died from emphysema from smoking, his motivator was he went to have polyps removed from his nose. And with polyps, and that's another training within the academy, but with the polyps in his nose, they to take them out, they had to put a laryngoscope down his throat because they, he had to be anaesthetized. So they put the laryngoscope down, they found a cyst in his throat, a huge one, and so they had to change what they were doing. They had to remove the cyst. He came round, had the polyps removed. No, mate, your polyps are still there and you're lucky to be alive because if that had burst, you could have died on the spot, choked, you could have got pneumonias from it. Um, so we've removed that instead and we'll have to rebook you to have the polyps removed. And it's from smoking, as are the polyps. So he was given a massive motivator to stop smoking. So we did. 
he went cold turkey, um, which didn't result in any illness. It results in a few days of anger, but he swapped it out for cashews. So yeah, he put on a little bit of weight. That's life, isn't it? But he stopped smoking and we can just go and stop smoking. Hypnosis wouldn't work if it wasn't your desire to do something. And that's what hypnosis is all about. It's supporting your desire for change. So if it's somebody else's choice, it's not going to work. So you don't need hypnosis to give up smoking. What you need is a goal. You need to have chosen to invest in yourself and to save that money. A lot of hypnotherapists charge a lot of money for um, the smoking, to stop smoking and their programs, simply because the theory is that the more you invest in yourself, the more you put into it. If you've got to front with $1,000 to stop smoking, you're more likely to follow through and really be going, yes, I'm going to do this because I've just paid $1,000. If your wife paid the $1,000, you won't notice it's missing. Granddad pays it. You know, somebody else pays it. You're not going to notice it's missing. You're probably not going to follow through. It's not going to work. Everything to do with smoking is about the person. Number one, they have to want to do it. So once you've ascertained that of your client, once you've really got down to the nitty gritty of it and that they want to give up smoking and you've had that conversation where they tell you, yes, it's me, I've made this decision and I've chosen to stop smoking, but I'm struggling to do so. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. What should I do? That's when we need to discuss with our clients that smoking is about choice. We don't get a lot of choice in life. As we're growing up, small children don't get any choice. You know, it's dinner time, here's your dinner, we're going out in the car, you have to go to school, you have to do this, you have to do that, um, run around, run around, run around. You don't have a lot of choice. As an adult, you still don't have a lot of choice. You have to get up in the morning, you have to go to work, you have to come home from work, you have to cook the dinner. There's not a lot of choice. And with smoking, there is the joy factor, those first few puffs where the chemicals kick in and they get that euphoria of the cigarette and they relax. So what have we got nutritionally that helps people relax like that? We've got nutritional supplements and we've got magnesium, we've got herbs like kava, we've got all sorts of things that can support that need to relax. The thing with smoking is it comes with a social side. So it's very hard. That's the hardest thing for people to give up is people go out from work for a smoko. They leave the office and they stand out in the street and they all talk and they have their smoko. Non-smokers don't choose to go out of the office to stand in a, in a laneway and get smelly. And so the smokers feel they've got this social group with which they do that. If a smoker went to work and said to some of the non-smokers, hey, I'm trying to give up smoking, would you come outside with me for a non-smoker's smoke break and we'll walk around the block for five minutes? Would that be okay with you? The non-smokers would go, yeah, I'm up for that because you're not smoking. But I'm, because they don't get those breaks and it actually annoys non-smokers that they don't get those breaks that smokers take. So if a smoker was to say to them, come and help me in this, they'd have a new social group. And, but that's not something that's generally understood by the smoker. The smoker is used to being in that social group. They're used to going out for that break with those particular people and having a cigarette. They don't walk around the block. They don't walk up and down the stairs because they've got to do it in a hurry. They also, at the pub, they go out to the smoking area. And that's another social environment. And that's something they're used to doing. 
So going out for that cigarette from work, going to the pub and having a cigarette, these are all habits. And that's the biggest thing about smoking. It's not its addictive factor because of the two examples I've given you. Both people gave up, no issue. One started eating cashews instead, the other one just stopped. So we know that we can just stop doing this. We can get our, you know, our clients can just stop. You know, millions of people have just stopped before then. But it's hard to make those choices when we have habit. So how to break a habit is what this is really all about. And we need to have a motivator. So when our clients, for example, want to lose weight, there's always a motivator. They turn up, I'm getting married in six months. I've got to lose X amount of weight to get into a wedding dress to look good. They have a motivator. And once we know this motivator, once we know this goal, and this is what I talk about in all of my mentoring, is finding out your client's top three goals and working towards their goals, not your goals. So if a smoker comes to you and it's not in their goal list, then it's not one of their goals and you're not going to achieve change because they're not interested in that. If it says their wife wants to give up smoking, again, it's not their goal. They won't achieve it. So we need to do things that they want to achieve, our clients want to achieve. So your client says they want to give up smoking. They've stepped up. They've said, yep, it's time for me to do it. The doctor says I have to or whatever it is. There's this um, motivator. There's this goal there. Their friend has just been diagnosed with cancer. Something's happened. There's lots of things we can do nutritionally and herbally. I've mentioned a couple already. Of course, there's the NAC. You know, there's all of these things um, within the um, products that we have or the herbs that we have that can support this change. So what we need is buy-in. All right. Once they've bought into the idea that it's just change, it's not the end of the world, then we'll have a greater success. Associating smoking with negativity at the moment they are associating it with negativity and that they have you know they have to be with that small group of friends there's people say things to them but they're on the defensive with that negativity they're not your lungs they're my lungs why are you going on about it those sorts of you know that defensive negativity what we want to do is change the habit so if they've coming in so you need to say to them where do you smoke when do you smoke you know how much do you smoke Um, How much of a cigarette do you smoke? Do you light it with a match? Do you light it with a lighter? You have to know the specifics from the time they start to the time they stop. So simple things like reducing the amount of time. So say to them, well, I'd like you to, you know, you're going to lose weight, you're going to exercise, whatever it is. Don't have, you know, you're normally having your first cigarette at 8 a.m. Let's move the benchmark. Your first cigarette is at 10, 11, 12, and move that benchmark. That reduces it by one, two, three cigarettes if they're having one every hour. So we need to move the benchmark anyway. Then after we've moved the benchmark on how often, when, we need to talk about where they have that cigarette. So everyone has a routine. So your person gets up, they have a coffee, they have a cigarette while they're making breakfast, perhaps, I don't know. Um, or they have their coffee or they have their breakfast, they get up, they get in the car and they have the first cigarette of the day. They, there's always a pattern and we need to break the pattern. We need to start making choices about what we do, where we do it and when we do it. So if they always go into the lounge, sit down in a particular chair, then the lounge needs moving around the chair needs moving the tv needs moving you might even have to redecorate the lounge 
use that $1,000 that you would have given to somebody to redecorate the room so that when they go and sit down, buy a new chair, when they go to sit down, they're not immediately reminded the ashtray isn't on the side, the cigarettes aren't sitting in the ashtray or on the floor, nothing's handy anymore. And that's a lot of it. We'll go back to things being handy in a moment. What we want is for them to be making the choice to smoke. All right. So it's not a choice to not smoke. It's a choice to smoke. So they make the choice to have those first couple of puffs that, you know, hit the chemical pathway that make them lightheaded, that give them the euphoria. We want them to choose <clears throat> when they have the cigarette. The cigarette needs to not be as available, as easy to get to. The space needs to not be that same space. So we move everything around. You're moving the lounge around. It can't be comfortable where they go to have that cigarette in future. So if they had it standing at the kitchen counter, they can't have one at the kitchen counter anymore. They can't smoke inside. But they also can't smoke on the veranda. Veranda's a lovely spot. You know, your front veranda or your balcony. It'll have a chair. It'll be nice and comfy. You, know, you put on your jacket, out you go. It has to be that they leave the house. They have to walk through um, something. It might be nature. If it was my house, they'd have to walk down the garden. They'd have to go through the pool gate. They'd have to stand by the pool and smoke down there. Or I might tell them they have to smoke on the street if they haven't got a garden. So it's so that it's somewhere uncomfortable. It's not a great spot to be. It's not a comfortable spot to be. They need to stand to have that cigarette. And they need to not smoke the whole cigarette so not only are you limiting the time you're no longer starting at eight you start at nine in a week's time you know in three days time you're going to start at 10 and four days five days time you're going to start at 11 and so on and so forth so not only are you beginning to limit the time you're beginning to limit the amount of cigarette they're allowed to smoke so they can only have half the cigarette because if you explain to them hey you know come on the first bit of the cigarette's the bit you love isn't it the rest of it you just stand there thinking about stuff or maybe you're standing there you know solving the world's issues who knows what it is you do when you're smoking your cigarette but it's only the first bit of that cigarette that gives you the buzz so we change the environment and that starts to break the habit we turn it from a positive experience into a negative experience but not a negative experience that's going to affect their self-esteem Okay, their personal self-esteem. Self-esteem, chances are, is already low. People have already been commenting about their smoking for the last 10 years, 15 years, making horrible comments to them about it. They don't need any more um, self-esteem issues going on. You may have to spend time um, on their self-esteem, you know, mindful ex mindfulness exercises or doing other things with them to support their self-esteem. But what we're doing here is changing the environment, breaking the habit because that's really the major portion of this, is habit. So once we've broken the habit by rearranging the space, changing the environment, we introduce choice. And every teacher, every school, primary school teacher, worth their salt, when a child starts losing in the class, they'll send them out and say, go and have a drink of water. That changes the internal environment of the body, changes the equilibrium. When, we're ask, you know, when our clients come to us and they want to lose weight, we increase their fluid intake because often there is a dysfunction between the um, understanding of dehydration, you know, and they have food instead. So water is a huge part of this. So we've changed your environment. 
the cigarettes themselves can't be easily accessible. So they've got time to think about this choice to have the cigarette. They haven't smoked for three days, you know, all's going well, something terrible happens, they get angry or whatever it is, and they head straight for the cigarettes. Then they go, I've fallen off the wagon, I'm a smoker again. No, that hasn't happened. The simple fact is, at day three, you can phone the smoking hotline, the support hotline, and they'll talk you through it. But you haven't fallen off the wagon. You haven't become a smoker again. You've just made a choice to have a cigarette. You've made that choice. So let's make that choice a hard one to make. So the cigarettes go, not so it's dangerous to get to them, you know, not so you're going to fall off a ladder to get to them, but they do go in an upper cupboard in the kitchen, preferably behind a glass, um, but so that you're going past a water fountain or water tap on the way to get to them. So they can take, so they see the cigarettes are in a container, um, they take down the glass first, they have that drink of water, they get time to come down off that problem. Maybe you've given them a supplement or something they can take at the same time, um, or maybe it's kombucha, so it's an empty glass that's there. So then they have to go to the fridge before they come back to get the cigarette. So they've got all this time to think about this choice. Do I have to have the cigarette? Will my world... Um, really be helped by this cigarette what will this cigarette do for me now that having this glass of kombucha or this glass of water this fluid to change my internal equilibrium won't do still the trauma is there whatever it is they have to leave the house they've still got to go to the horrible spot at the end of the garden under their umbrella or with a puffer jacket on or you know boiling hot in the scorching sun whatever it is that's going on but they have to get to those cigarettes. So they have to take the glass out of the way first, preferably put water in it and have a drink. Might calm them down, maybe take a supplement. Then they get to the container, they open the container. Inside the container are the cigarettes in a Ziploc plastic bag with rubber bands around it. So that they've got to, it's really an activity to take apart that bag, to undo the Ziploc, you know, take off the elastic bands, undo the Ziploc, open the packet, take out one cigarette, put one cigarette on the side, close the bag up again, put the elastic bags back around it, put it back in the container, close the Ziploc container, put it back in the cupboard, put a fresh glass in front of that container, close that cupboard, you've got to light it. So you have to go to the next cupboard, you have to open the next cupboard, again there's a glass sitting in front of a container, and in that container, in a Ziploc bag, wrapped up in elastic bands, you'll find the lighter or the matches or whatever it is. They can then take that. Yes, they're not going to close that one because by that time they've made that absolute choice. Um, because if it's a lighter or whatever, they're going to have to put it back afterwards. But it means they then take the matches or lighter, the one single cigarette, not the whole packet, and their glass of whatever it is, fluid, and they go down to the end of the garden or they go out onto the street. They go somewhere else that's uncomfortable. And then they smoke one, two, maybe three puffs of the cigarette. Definitely no more than half the cigarette should be consumed. Because they've made that choice to do that. And as they take out and as they light that cigarette, you need to make sure they understand that they are making a choice and they actually say to themselves at that point I'm making a choice to smoke this cigarette now because blah blah happened today as soon as I've had my three four five puffs whatever it is to get to the middle whatever that problem is will have more than passed it will no longer affect me it's got it's gone 
so that there is an end and there is an absolute resolution to whatever it is that has 100% forced them to take that smoke of that cigarette. All right. Then they're to throw away that um, the butt and half the cigarette and to go back into the kitchen, put the lighter away, put it all away in the cupboard, put a glass in front of it so that it's up high, it's away and it's difficult to get to. We're not saying they can't buy them, you know, because if they go and buy them, if they have to go and buy them because they've thrown all the cigarettes away. I'm giving up. I'm a non-smoker. They throw the cigarettes away or they finish the last one and then something happens and it all turns to custard and they race off and they buy that packet of cigarettes and they haven't really had a time to make a choice. They haven't really had that time to think about what is going on while they're taking those elastic bands off, while they're undoing that Ziploc bag, while they're taking everything out of that container or whatever it is. Because they've had to get in the car. In the car, they'll still be angry. They have a bit of road rage. They're not thinking about what they're doing. They're not thinking about that cigarette. They're thinking about the drive. They're still thinking about their anger management situation or whatever it is. Whereas if you have said to them, if you've got them there, you know they're there if you need them, if things get really bad, but you're choosing to smoke that cigarette. The other thing that works very well along with that, I mean, they could, it could be that they have to have rollies. So the, um, that container becomes even harder if they're into their rollies because somebody who smokes rollies is actually used to waiting for their cigarette anyway. So... In that container would be the filters in one Ziploc bag with elastic bands around it. In another would be the tobacco in a Ziploc bag with elastic bands around it. In that then they're all like you'd have three separate containers rather than two. Also, with the rollie, they're still only allowed to have half of it, which they're actually probably used to anyway, because of course rollies go out. It's a very different um, experience to the full cigarette, commercial cigarette, which has got the um, all the other chemicals in it to make it burn. So when we've got the client there, they've taken that cigarette. We don't need to ruin their self-esteem any more than it already is. I mean, whoever it is has been on at them for years about giving up, or maybe they've been on about it themselves about giving up. We don't need to wreck the self-esteem anymore. So when they're out there smoking that cigarette, they have to limit the amount. So if they're smoking half, you say to them, count how many puffs that is to get to half because everyone's different. You know, bigger lungs might only be three, somebody else it might be five. It's not going to be that many to get to half of that cigarette. So they have that number of puffs, but each time they puff, they say to themselves, I actually look a bit of a dag. I look silly. You know, this is, us. Oh, it's actually a bit horrible. This isn't working quite, ah, oh, I actually don't know how to smoke. So that it's a negativity on the cigarette and the action not a negativity on them. Not, I'm an idiot, I'm a fool, I'm dumb because I smoke, but rather, hmm, I look foolish. Nobody does this these days. Oh, actually, I'm not holding this right. It doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't look right. Uh, you know, so it's not, Can you? hopefully you can understand the difference I'm trying to get across here about the wording we use. We don't want any greater self, you know, reduction in self-esteem over it. We just want them to feel odd, different, unsatisfied by that cigarette that's what we want we want them to no longer feel satisfied by the smoke for the actual habit of smoking as we try and break it they need to reward themselves as well so if they can save that money in a separate jar from each 
um, packet of cigarettes that, you know, because they're expensive. So if they can put that in a jar to save it, or um, obviously we're going really cashless right now because of everything that's going on. So maybe if they transferred that money into a savings account so that they can reward themselves by all the saved money. And there will be the odd packet here and there that's bought because we're working on a slower reduction or a cold turkey reduction, but they're still in the cupboard. So they can make that choice. So that's what it's all about. Many, many things in this life are about choice, and this is one of them. It's about changing the environment, changing habits, and using choice as the motivator. So I hope that's helped you when you're talking to your clients about how you can support them with change, change the environment, change everything that's going on, and you will support the change within your client. So thanks for being here with me today. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.